Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, Bob Palinka and the Lakers reportedly have another excuse not to do their jobs. Here we go, everybody. Kendrick Nunn all over again. Mark Stein, um, in his substack, wrote the following, quote, The Lakers have indeed looked at free agents for a potential in-season roster boost, first Mo Harkless and more recently Joe Weiskamp and Tony Snell. But the sense I got after spending the, week, the past week in L.A. is that their preference is to wait for the returns of Dennis Schroeder and Thomas Bryant before making judgments that could lead to changes. The Lakers have high hopes that Schroeder in particular can give the offense a boost after both he and Bryant sustained thumb injuries during the preseason that required surgery. Lonnie Walker IV, who had 25 points in Sunday's win over the Nets in Walker's latest uh, hopeful showing, spoke after the win about the Lakers finally having their full team Friday when they emerge from a four-day break to play host to Detroit. Schroeder, Bryant, and LeBron James, who missed the past two games due to his adductor strain, are all expected to play against the Pistons, end quote. <sighs> hmm. Last year, the Lakers were reluctant to do anything until Kendrick Nunn got back. At the beginning of the year, we were told that the Lakers' rotation would make a lot more sense when Trevor Ariza got back. Um, and then over the course of the year, as guys were in and out, it was excuse after excuse after excuse until those excuses couldn't be made anymore because it was pretty clear that the Lakers just sucked. Uh, it was excuse after excuse after excuse. Well, you can't quite judge until this, can't quite judge until that. And it became a joke. Harrison has turned it into a bit that um, apparently has taken on a life of its own. Look, Dennis Schroeder's fine, I guess. Thomas Bryant is okay. But neither of those guys play on the wing. Uh, Dennis Schroeder was essentially out of the league. The Celtics got better as soon as he left. <laughs> Thomas Bryant looked bad in the preseason. He just he looked lost on defense. He doesn't look like he has any real bursts anymore at this stage of his career. Maybe he was able to condition because it was just a hand injury and um, he can run and do that kind of stuff. But really <laughs> really so, so far it's been well we got to wait 20 games to see what the lakers um look like before and what the market looks like before they trade russell westbrook and then when it became clear that the lakers were going to suck early on in the year well we got to see this through to the end of these 20 games just in case the season might be lost and and then now apparently it's, well, we got to wait for Dennis Schroeder and Thomas Bryant. And, you know, I, I, is Cole Swider next? He hasn't really played yet. Um, do we have to wait for for LeBron to be 100%? Because that doesn't look like it's on the table anytime soon. Uh, what's, what's the point here? What are they doing? <laughs> the season's going to be lost in, in you could be potentially lost in, in the next week or so if they drop another couple games that they should have won. Uh, fortunately, they tip, they did pick up a win in against Brooklyn. And uh, they looked okay, I would say, against Brooklyn. Brooklyn, by the way, is a broken team. They're missing their point guard to anti-Semitism. They're missing their, their starting small forward to God knows what. In, in, in the fact that Ben Simmons, hell, I think he was coming off of the bench before he got hurt or whatever. Um, they don't really have a center on their roster. That team is a mess. And, and you know, 
the Lakers beat them fairly handily, um, but that's one of their few wins on the year. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 I legitimately don't know. How long are we going to do this for? Earlier today, I uh, recorded a podcast with Brady Klopfer. He covers the Golden State Warriors for Golden State of Mind. Um, and uh, we had a really fun conversation, I thought, about some of the, I don't know, the issues with how billionaires kind of see the world and, and super, super rich people see the world and, and their inability to, uh, I guess, not favor sycophants uh, and, and uh, cronies when it comes to filling out the people surrounding them. And what happens when you fill, you surround yourself with sycophants is you never hear no and you wind up thinking you're some genius when everybody around you is incentivized to tell you you're a genius. Uh, so I wrote about that in summary, in summarizing the conversation, but I, you do, you probably should go and check out the conversation that I had with Brady. It was a lot of fun, a lot of laughing. Um, and we talked about the similarities between the Lakers and Golden State Warriors and the current predicament both find themselves in. LeBron James and Steph Curry are going to be inextricably linked in NBA history for their years of competition at the sport's absolute peak. They've impacted the way the game is played, both on and off the court, in ways that can't ever be undone. They've also done more for their current teams that they're getting in return. In Golden State, their ownership has convinced themselves they can compete for a championship now with an eye towards the future. They watched championship-caliber role players walk last summer and are hoping unproven prospects can fill their spots with little data to back up that hope. The Warriors are off to a slow start. Those prospects aren't working out, and it's taking insane Curry performances to win the few games they've managed to thus far. In Los Angeles, the Lakers have a near 40-year-old James, Anthony Davis while he actually appears healthy, and zero incentive whatsoever to tank this season, but still find themselves near the bottom of the standings with all indications pointing to them riding this out and potentially sending a top-five pick to New Orleans. The good news is there's no generational superstar in the draft, so at least there's that. Both Curry and LeBron have lifted these previously rudderless organizations to unbelievable heights compared to where they were at the time of their arrivals. Golden State had been a laughingstock for much of its existence. The four championships Curry is re responsible for should be enough to get them to commit to whatever it takes to maximize his chances at winning more of them, but nope, they're still waiting for James Wiseman to consistently prove he belongs on an NBA court. James signed with the Lakers on the heels of the lowest point in franchise history. He chose LA and has taken them from that level of ineptitude, there was an actual coup going on in the Lakers' ownership box to their 17th championship, finally tying the Boston Celtics. You'd think they'd jump at the chance at passing Boston, especially given how close the Celtics came to winning last year, but nope. But nope. All signs still somehow point to them not committing more resources to avoid two straight lost seasons. Another thing James and Curry have in common. They aren't really ownership's guys. Curry predates Joe Lacob, and there are few things fake geniuses hate more than the people actually responsible for their success. James, unlike, say, Kobe Bryant, who L.A. did risk their future to help compete for a championship before his career-altering Achilles injury, is not a lifelong Laker. Would Lacob be more committed to Curry had he drafted and developed him? Would the Lakers be more willing to commit if James wasn't in only his fourth season in their organization? 
None of that should matter even a little, but based on their actions, it clearly seems to. Rob Polinka has spoken in the past about being a caretaker to the final chapters of LeBron James's historic career. This is how any executive tasked with leading organizations lucky enough to have a player of James or Curry's stature should look at things, so it's good to hear him recognize that responsibility. But these last two seasons would indicate he's a little too okay with losing for him to actually claim to be committed to the task at hand. Lastly, the Warriors and Lakers owe it not only to their fans to maximize their windows with James and Curry, but also to the sport itself. Their rivalry is responsible for some of the most dramatic moments in league history, but outside of that play-in game, and again, that was a play-in game, we haven't had any matchups with real stakes attached since James arrived in L.A. No active players move the needle the way they do. When James got to L.A., I'm sure the league office was aglow with the possibilities of James and Curry facing off at least four times per year, but nope. Given Polinka's approach to the season, the Lakers' chances at a title might have already disappeared by the time they've played on opening night. Now, there is still time for both organizations to come to their senses and actually commit to competing at their fullest extent now while Curry and James are playing at such high levels. At literally any point, Polinka can be done with this ridiculous and arbitrary 20-game test run. Golden State can finally admit what we all can see and replace the productive veterans they lost with guys old enough to legally rent a car. Until they do, those claims of commitment to their stars are just empty words. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown Podcast. Make sure you check out that conversation I had with Brady yesterday and a little bit later today. Uh, Alex Regula and Alex Padilla are going to be recording this week's Taco Tuesday. And then Wednesday is going to be the very first edition of our new roundtable show um, that I'm going to try to air on YouTube live so you guys can tune in for that. Uh, or obviously listen to it right here. So until then, and until I talk to you guys next, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.